Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Believe in Softball, your go-to softball show with Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra. This year has felt like one of the longest years ever, and we're barely halfway, but somehow, here we are in the heat of summer. So let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases. I got updates for you around the entire softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Claire Sua Amundsen. Not only is she a stud, but she used to coach me, and that's always a great combo for these combos. (laughs) And we'll wrap up, as usual, with the double play tip of the week. So lots to talk about today. And in these uncertain times, it's nice to find things that you can rely on, especially around the house. Since we're still spending a lot of time at home, it's nice to feel safe. And when it comes to home security systems, the last thing you want is a system that's so complicated that you never end up using it. And that's exactly the type of thing Simply Safe has spent years fighting against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your entire home 24/7. So order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. It's literally that simple. Head to simplysafe.com/team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com/team. And whether you're safe at home or taking a walk around the block listening to this, whatever you're doing, I have some updates for you. For college softball, it's been months since the season ended. We still have players entering the transfer portal, and it's not that far from school actually starting back up. So it's crazy to think about being in their shoes and potentially not knowing where you're going to be at this point. And between the transfers and everything else, what a tough time for high school girls trying to be recruited. But I have to say, keep sending in your videos and doing what you can. Coaches are just as frustrated about how difficult recruiting is right now as you are. So just keep at it. They'll appreciate it. And one thing I've had my eye on that I want to share with you is the Florida Gulf Coast League. It's a summer league for college softball players, which you know I love, and I think it's a great outlet for players in between school seasons. I've said this several times before, but it changed the game for me. And so this is the first year of this league. They have seven teams with over 100 players. The regular season just ended after five weeks. Coming up on a playoff here, there's going to be a home run derby, awards, an all-star game. They named two all-star teams of 19 players each representing schools from Florida to Wichita State. So it's a great mix as well. And actually, after the rest of the USSA Pride's season with this as a softball, the pro season was canceled. They just made a deal with Florida Gulf Coast League to play in a three-day event at USSA Space Coast, which is where the Pride plays, in Florida, July 22nd to 24th. And I'll just tell you this, the softball community doesn't sleep, just still working to grow the sport at every turn. Now, I have concerns with any sport trying to compete as COVID cases are spiking again, especially in a hot spot like Florida. But as I've said before, the desire for softball is encouraging. 
Another thing that's encouraging is that Softball America actually ranked or highlighted five D1 programs that are on the rise right now, including Clemson, Duke, Indiana, Oregon State, and yes, Stanford. So Clemson, the inaugural year, what can I say? It was a great start. They filled the stadium with fans too. Just such a great community down there. And shout out to my college coach at Stanford, John Rittman, for setting the tone in his first year on campus. And then Stanford, I mean, come on. This is the stuff that makes my heart happy. The turnaround year in 2019, making it to postseason for the first time in six years. More conference wins in that season than the previous several combined. Leadership from Coach Jessica Allister, who I love and was my third guest ever on this show. Just so much goodness there. But it is so, so sad about the news that Stanford Athletics cut 11 varsity sports. Going from 36 to 25, and softball was not effective, thank goodness. But, you know, I had friends that made my Stanford experience better, that were on the wrestling team, field hockey, men's volleyball, synchronized swimming. All of those sports were cut. And the student-athlete community is really tight-knit, so to see anyone go is rough. And the implications of an institution like Stanford doing this means, unfortunately, that more may come. I mean, softball wasn't affected this time, but let's keep consuming softball content, investing in it to show the interest to prevent our community from being on the chopping block ever in the future. Just makes you think. The other thing about Softball America actually is they're accepting internship applications for fall 2020 right now. And I say this because I love to see it after so many internships all over were canceled this summer due to COVID-19. I have a lot of respect for companies and organizations who are still able to make a remote internship work. And it's interesting too, because there's no resume required, just samples of journalistic work if you have it. Seems to be more about the skills themselves than what looks good on paper, which I think is also a sign of the future. So go to softballamerica.com to check it out if you're interested. Some more good news about the future with softball is that the Olympic schedule for Tokyo next year was released. So we now have a schedule. Softball is supposed to play early and get things started as they were going to originally this summer, start off early in the tournament. And it'll be the same six teams that already qualified with the US, Canada, Mexico, Australia, Italy, and Japan, of course. Very similar to what was originally planned this year, So nothing surprising, but it just feels a little more real with the schedule. feels like you can breathe a little easier. And the last thing I want to highlight is that Kira G from UCLA was inducted into the UCLA Athletics Hall of Fame. I mean, the championships, the All-American accolades, the records that she holds. She's the only pitcher to throw a no-no in the World Series. It's just great stuff to see her join that club and very, very well-deserved. And actually, our guest today was right there with her through it all. So let's go ahead and head into the interview. She is the head coach of Cal State East Bay Softball, two-time All-American at UCLA, back-to-back national champion at UCLA, four-time All-Pac-10 player, 10, yes, not 12, it's okay, with four Women's College World Series appearances. And easily the most important thing on her resume is that she's my friend and former coach, Claire Sua Amundsen. What's up, Coach A? Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, JV. I'm happy to be here. So excited. 
I'm super excited to have you. Like I've told you already multiple times in our other conversations, like I've been meaning to ask you for a while. And so I'm so excited that we're finally able to do it. I know it's good to reconnect, huh? After, especially what's going on in our crazy world nowadays, huh? Oh, oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> and honestly with us too, I'm like, I don't even know where to start. There's so many things we could talk about. I know. I feel like our lives are so different from when you played. I mean, you're a grown up now. It's so fun to watch you. It's weird. I don't always feel like a grown up, but yeah, technically I am. <laughs> you know what? I don't always feel like a grown up either. And I have two kids. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> here we are. That's 2020 in a nutshell. Well, I know like I call you coach A because you were already in Amundsen. You were already married when I met you and you were mm -hmm. one of my coaches at Stanford for my last two years. One of my favorites, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Hence why you're here. <laughs> but people in the softball world don't necessarily know you as Coach A from your playing days, right? Like you're still on the wall at UCLA, right? Yes. 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 I was wondering if you're going to be like, oh, I don't know, and try to play it all humble. But yeah, last, last I heard, I was. Um, they, they definitely could have changed it. There's a lot of updates that go on in college softball stadiums. But Last I heard, I was I was on the wall as Claire Sua, not Claire Amundsen. And it's kind of funny because you guys know me as Coach A, and that's, you know, obviously I've been married a, a long time, but in my small softball world and amongst the college coaches, they still call me Claire Sua. So, and it's not Claire, it's Claire Sua, and I still answer to it. So it's kind of funny because people ask me why I kept the Sua, and I, it's because that's really – even as a coach, how people still talk to me, especially amongst my peers. Yeah, I mean, I remember all of us used to say, Sue. Oh gosh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> we loved yeah. it though. Even yeah. though we knew you hated it, we loved it. I know. You, I think you guys did that on purpose just because you know I hated it to embarrass me, for sure. Yeah, of course. You would, wouldn't be the last or first college kids to do that because, quite honestly, my East Bay kids still do that sometimes. They'll try to dig in. They'll find like YouTube videos or random and they'll say it. And I'm just, I just shake my head. So it's a, uh, yeah, I'm very proud of my, my name, but my husband said, you know, you could keep it. And he's, you know, Matt, he's so supportive, but it's just, you know, I hyphenate and I have my kids last name too. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Like you have both of those are both of those periods of your life are very important. Right. And they're like different chapters, but I get it. For sure. For sure. <laughs> But it's hard, you know, for us, when we used to call you SUA, it's yeah. not every day that you travel to play a conference game or at UCLA and you see your coach's face on the wall. It's like we just cannot escape this freaking Bruin bubble. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was kind of funny because you guys would take pictures in front of it. And, the you know, when I coached at Cal State Fullerton after Stanford, they did the same thing. And I, I generally don't – I don't like talking about myself, so I never said anything. And then – when you guys got there, you were like all about it. I'm just going to sit in my dugout. Like I'm very, I am very proud of what happened as, as a player, but like, like we said, like my life is different now, you know, it's on to the next chapter and it's good memories. And I can't wait. I honestly like now being older and having a daughter and having a son, my son's already seen it. My daughter hasn't. So for me, as much as I'm like, Oh, that's, you know, that was a long time ago. I am really excited to show her that. Yeah, of course. I feel like too recently, what's also kind of like brought this back up with all of us is that ESPN and NCAA softball have been re-airing old world series games. So I've seen you on TV a lot recently, actually. <laughs> yeah, they have. I think it's kind of cool, honestly, like 
obviously with the seasons being cut short for all the divisions, I think it created um, just this feeling of missing our sport and missing watching it on ESPN and those of us who aren't televising our games, like just being on the field and stuff. So I thought ESPN did such an NCAA, they did such a good job of just showing games and really, I think, educating the younger generations of, hey, there was softball, there was this, his this rich history in our sports that some people never knew about. They never saw the Lisa Fernandez's play or the Kellyanne away or the Susie Paras, you know, they, they didn't get to witness that. And I think that it's really cool that the kids who are, you know, obviously at home, we're all at home. Um, the college kids and those kind of kids can really see the history. And for me, some of it was, I used to watch that when I was younger, you know, and I remember watching the Arizona series and the Fresno state series. And it was cool for me because it kind of took me back to my childhood of, oh my gosh, I remember watching Jenna Spinoza hit home runs at U of A. And I just, it took me back to that time. So hopefully I think that by them doing that, they really instilled a sense of tradition for our softball community. Cause I think it's really important. And obviously with today's generation, it's instant gratification and they know what they know now. And for them to understand where our sport has come from and where it is now, huge strides, like, enormous strides for our sport with the television and you know social media I hope that they can really embrace that and appreciate where we've been where we're going and where we're headed I couldn't agree more couldn't have said it any better it's like I have nothing to say I guess we can end the podcast now after that <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> no but seriously like that is so true because people are starting to see like all the great ratings we have and all of that great stuff now but there's so many steps that it takes to get there. And even, not even on the field, there's so many things that happen in softball that are important that we talk about and we share, especially if there aren't going to be games to watch or participate in. It's like, well, let's dig into everything else that makes softball great. Oh, for, for sure. It, interesting that you said I was on a, a Zoom call the other day with um, UCLA softball alumni. You know, we're really big, tight, like you talked about the bubble, we're this crazy tight-knit um, community of former UCLA softball players talking to the new UCLA um, athletic director, Martin Jarman, and it was a great conversation. But what I really found the most interesting when we got on it, there was probably like 50 of us, right? So you can imagine the riffraff happening. Like, uh, we were like, oh my gosh, this poor guy is going to be like, what just happened, you know? Um, but we're, there were players on there who graduated in 2016 who are, you know, four years out of college. And then there was a couple women on there who were in the 70s and when it was AIAW and fought for Title IX stuff. And that was super cool to see all the generations kind of come together. Um, obviously, just getting to know the new AD and, you know, get that sense of what he's all about in our, in our program's history. But, you know, she talked about their struggles and how they played on the old helicopter pad. And, you know, it wasn't NCAA yet and how they really fought for Title IX rights for females to be an NCAA sport. And I thought that was super cool. That's awesome. I love the fact, I mean, how could UCLA not include softball with a new AD, right? Like, it's like, this is the pinnacle of softball, like UCLA. And it's like, part of it, you know, pains me to say being in the pack and all that stuff, but it just is like, come on, you know, the most championships, just the, the standard for what softball should be. But that's the thing. It's like, what about UCLA works? You know what I mean? Like, because what UCLA does just works. It's not random. Like, there's clearly something there. 
that's very special and that works. But there are a lot of amazing players and coaches all over softball. So why does UCLA come on top? Like, what is it about it? Right. I mean, I think I didn't grow up in Southern California, so I grew up in South Florida. Um, my sister went to UCLA as a track athlete. But I think, and even out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Cooper City, Florida, you know, down in South Florida, I still knew the reach of UCLA and I still have that knowledge. And when I started playing, it wasn't fast pitch until I was about 11, you know, and I still knew about them. So I, I think the biggest thing with, with UCLA, why it works is when you come into that program, you understand the rich history and tradition. I mean, I knew about Debbie Doom and Susie Longacre. Like I knew though we were taught about those, those icons in our program, you know, and really, I don't, I don't know, just can have such a great appreciation for the pride that you have in those letters across your chest. And I'm not saying that other programs don't. A lot of programs, wonderful um, players and coaches, like you said, extremely talented. But I don't know. I think the history of itself really gives them that extra confidence, honestly. Like, you know, you've been there. You have that tradition. You have that history. I think it just it gives you that extra something that I don't know if every program has, honestly. Makes sense. I mean, it's like you have to, it's almost like a chicken and egg thing though, where it's like you have tradition, so then you build on the tradition, but you have to make that tradition and build it in the first place. But UCLA right. also to me has done a good job of, you have the tradition, but that that's lasted through different coaching staffs, you know, from Sue Inquist to Kelly Noy Perez now, and, and it's still there. And even like the current players like kind of seem to take that, but then make their own mark with it. Like they make the tradition their own in some ways. And I think that's really hard to do but UCLA just does it over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's a different time now. And so I think the coach's ability, you know, throughout the years to adapt to, to changing generations and the changing landscape that um, the youth are growing up today is, it's a talent. It really is. It's it's a talent. And I mean, we we do uh, bi-weekly Zoom calls with all the UCLA softball alumni coaches. So we're talking like Kelly and Kirk and Jen Brundage and Dot Richardson and, Stacey Newman, and we've really used this time to kind of make each other better, you know? And I mean, even as coaches, some of us were competitors. I mean, they compete against each other. I'm at the Division II level. They, they compete against each other, but there's always that connection of how do we give back to our sport, no matter what colors you're wearing, and how do we, how do we grow it? And I think that commonality is really what makes it special. Yeah. I think that's what makes softball great too, is because that seems to be anyone I talk to, not just on this show, but in general, the end goal is grow the sport. It's all about the sport and the community at the end of the day. Of course, we're all competitive as hell. Like there's no way that you're going to UCLA, even when we were there with Stanford and you're like, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm, I hope UCLA wins. Like, of course not. We're all trying to win. Yeah, and I was coaching. I'm like, I want to win. I want to kick their butt. Like you remember, I was like, no, no, no we're going to win this game. Like, this is what's going to happen. But I think, like you said, like at the end of the day, it's about developing our kids and growing our sport so that the opportunities that those younger kids have will continue to grow and get better because so many kids play it. I mean, it's a huge sport in our country. Huge. And that's why it's so cool to see, like you already said, all the games that are being played right now. So like when you look back and watch some of your games on TV, what are you thinking about? Are you like, wow, I remember the pressure, you know, the competition, that at bat. Are you kind of like in that zone or are you more like, huh, why did I wear that? Like, why are we wearing shorts? You know, like. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, I think um, for the most part, why did I do that? Um, 
I, I think like, wow, I would never teach my kids. I never taught my kids to hit like that. Or wow, like there's some things I'm like, okay, this is, you know, I could see where my teachings come from and others I'm like, oh, we're never going to teach anybody how to do that. Cause that was pretty ugly. Uh, I think a little bit of that, you know, I mean, it's, it's obviously coach now, right? Like I have a different set of goggles on and I think, man, if I knew now what I knew that I would be, would have been such a better player, but you, you know, hindsight's 2020. I mean, that's why you can't know in that moment of how to handle the pressure or do things differently. Or, you know, now I come at a coach perspective and I'm like, Oh, that was terrible. And what is with the shiny shorts and hello, pre flat iron hair, JB, those times were rough girl. Um, I feel you. <laughs> so I think about it more, more that way. I mean, it's so bad. My son was watching one of the games that was on and he was so excited. I was on and then I hit a ground ball. I like did like a reach on the outside pitch, like weak ground ball. And he goes, um, mom, you probably should have hit that farther because if you did, they would have scored and then you guys would have won. And I'm like, I had nothing. I know, no comeback. That's my son. I was like, you're right. You're right. <laughs> that is your son though, because I, that's not, I'm not surprised. I'm not phased that Mikey's like telling you that. That is very, yeah. sounds very on brand. <laughs> we are very similar, very on brand. Um, he's like my little, my little mini me. Even Matt said he was, he's just like you. So <laughs> he's going to tell you like it is, whether you like it or not. My daughter will scream at you. So two different personalities. <laughs> but all the personality, which I love. All, all the personality. <laughs> but you could still swing it. Like, yeah, okay, we get it. You maybe asked out on that ground ball, but like you could swing it in college. Like, let's be clear. You are still to this day in the top 10 in school history. School history, meaning the best softball school in the country, maybe the world, right? <laughs> You're still in the top 10 for home runs and RBIs. So let me ask you something. Did you ever bat flip or like, just take your sweet time on a home run trot? Like, I feel like, did you ever have like some swag at some point? Um, no, <laughs> no. Like, I mean, I was, I was confident for sure. Like I knew my capabilities, but quite honestly, JB, as a player, like I, I really had a lot of self-imposed pressure and I was just raised by a father who worked, you know, was pretty much was my hitting coach and working with me until I was really young of, you know, you, you, you walk quietly and you walk confidently and you let your performance and your work speak for itself and that to always be humble, you know, and be, especially because, you know, it, you know, prior to UCLA, it's like, there's always somebody out there working harder than you, you know? So as complacent as you want to be in that, you know, even when I did have some success my freshman year, that in the back of my head, you know, and, and especially Coach English, she's like, you know, the game, the game will give you and you take away as quickly as you blink an eye. You know, it, it is a, a humbling game. Like the minute you feel good about yourself, you're like, oh, and you're going to go over, you know? So I just always wanted to respect the game. And quite honestly, up until my junior year, I really struggled appreciating my enjoyment, like uh, enjoying my success, you know? And, and, and my teammates would say like, oh, you hit a home run and you just walk around like, oh, like nothing. Like, I never got excited. I never, like, I would never bat, bat flip. Like, what is that? Like, <laughs> my day you bat flip, like, quite honestly, you're going to get a ball in the back of your shoulder blade. Like, that's the world I grew up in. Like, oh, you better get ready. The ball's probably going to come at your chin, you know? And so there was no bat flip. There was none of those things. It was, that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. And then you move on, you know, and you compete again. And so I wasn't, I wasn't that player. It took me a long time. Um, to really enjoy my success and enjoy the game 
because uh, I was I was so damn serious. I took myself very seriously. And then at some point I just, um, I let it go. And, you know, I just kind of came to the realization and Sue always said, she's like, the minute you can enjoy your failures and take it as something, as a, as a point of view to grow, is the minute you're really going to start enjoying this game, you know? And, and it was at, at that turning point, probably my junior year, where I was like, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to be excited when you do something well, um, but also understand that to have respect for this game, you know? But it took took a long time. I was a pretty quiet player, very, very serious. Um, but I, I probably, probably the 04 game, if you can see me fist pump around the base, like um, Gina Vecchioni puppy, we call her. She's like, that's the first time I've ever seen you do that. And it was literally like a mild fist pump. And I was somebody embarrassed. Of so. <laughs> well, I think you, you earned the fist pump. But see, I, I knew this about you. And I actually like feel very similarly. You know, I was very serious and like too serious, especially till <laughs> my senior year. when I was like, all right, let's just let's all let it go. So I feel like this is why I connected with you so much as like a player to coach. Um, because it it makes such a big difference. But I had to ask because in today's world where we're seeing these bat flips and all these different things, like the way that you played and the performance you had, like you could have been doing that stuff, but you weren't. So it's, it's just interesting because it's evolved and softball changes. Everything in life changes over the years. But so I was just curious. I'm like, can I like force, like, was there one time maybe where you did something, but no, no, no. Like you said, like kids evolve and it's a different game and our world is different. And, and, you know, and rightfully so there's so much female empowerment I think it's it's done such great things for our game, but it, it is different, you know? I mean, I, I don't think, and I can't remember, honestly, when I was playing somebody doing that, you know? Yeah. I mean, granted, like, there are probably like, little snarky comments here and there, but for sure, like, nobody nobody did those things. So it is kind of, I'm a little old school. When I see it, we laugh. Some of my friends were like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, <laughs> like, you know, we see someone that before, like, oh my gosh, like, get ready. You know, I mean, it's, it's different. It is. It's different. But now that you are coaching and I, like I said, Cal State East Bay, obviously Stanford, you mentioned Fullerton, you're at Cal Poly too. Like, so you're head coach now at East Bay, but you've been coaching college softball for what, like 15 years. Yeah. Yeah. Since, um, two, oh gosh, 2000, I was a volunteer in 2005 with UCLA, but my first real, I would say my first head coach, my first assistant coaching job started right after that season. So oh six. Yeah, first official season as a college coach. Yeah, so you've been coaching for a long time too. Like, I mean, we all, it's, we can't ignore your playing days because, like, come on, but wearing this new hat for a long time, it's not, you're not new to this. Like, so what do you hope that your players get from you? I mean, I know I could tell you what I got from you, but when you talk about like Sue Inquist and mm-hmm. the people you played for and the people that UCLA has, they give almost something to their players and and that's softball specific, but also, you know, like as people. So like when you think about, Oh, what your player is going to get out of their experience with you, like, what's your goal? I mean, obviously graduate college and stuff, but I, I really hope at the end of the day, when they leave that they feel like a strong, empowered female who can go out and do whatever they want because they've been, they've grown so much under me. I think that's the biggest thing is like the ups, the downs, the goods, the bads. I, I hope that they can leave playing under me and feeling like, all right, I got this and whatever they want to do. You know, I mean, obviously like, yes, let's develop them on the field. Let me make you a better softball player. Let me get you 
to graduate with the degree that you want. Yes, those those kinds of things are are really a big part of what makes college coaching. Um, but ultimately, I just I really want them to feel like they're ready to take on the world, you know, and and that's really important to me that I've been there to guide them through 18 to 22, 23 years old, because so many things change in that time. I mean, the amount of growth and change that happens in these college student athletes is huge. And I hope I'm just there to help them navigate, it, you know, and so I hope I can give them that so that they have the tools that when they leave our little nest, our little bubble that they're good, you know, that they know how to handle adversity, that they're tough, that they're confident, though, that's really important to me. And for me as a coach to be able to step back when you all graduate, when you all leave and go on with your lives and have families to have them, you know, to have the student athletes say like, wow, I feel, I feel ready. Like that to me is huge. And that's been a really important thing for me in my coaching, you know, softball skills aside. I mean, I, I can tell you confidently that uh, I feel like I got that from you. So I, ho- I know I'm one of, you know, however many, but um, I know I'm your favorite as well. So there's that. Um, of course. <laughs> just kidding. Kind of. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I, I mean, I, I felt that. And I think, um, I mean, granted, like some today to this day, I don't always feel like I'm adulting necessarily that wonderfully, but in terms of like the approach to life, I feel like what I saw with you and what I felt was this like balance of accountability and like, Hey, we're going to get it done. We're going to get after it. Like no excuses, but also there was a level of like approachability and you helped me. (laughs) We were very serious players, both of us, but you kind of helped me like just take a breath, you know, and like loosen up, maybe even laugh before a game. Like God forbid that I was joking around, you know, (laughs) like that stuff really helped. And trying to find that balance myself was really hard. So having you there and now like even knowing more about that's kind of how you felt as a player too, like was, was really helpful. Yeah. And every, every player is different, JB. I mean, you have a million different personalities on a team. They, you know, and I think as a coach, I've really tried to see, okay, what does that particular player need in this moment? And it's different for everybody. You know, some people like you, you needed to take a minute. I'm like, JB, you take yourself way too seriously. And I'm like, let it go girl. You know, it's just to be, to get out of your own way. And then some people, they need the opposite. They need a kick in the butt. You know, they don't push hard enough, you know? And so it's been really my goal. And when I look at our players of what, what do they need right now to make themselves better? Do they need a hug? Do they need a kick in the butt? Do they need a little like, hey, let's go. You know, I mean, everybody's different. But um, for me as a coach, it's really been, can I tap into that? And can I reach them so that I can connect with them and make them better? and you were good at reading like whether it was something as simple as like a quick word of encouragement or word of kick in the butt, like you said, or Mm -hmm. if it was like something actionable too. Like, I don't know if you remember this, but so my freshman year, we played Cal Poly when you were still coaching there before you came to Stanford. You remember? I think I do. (laughs) Yeah. Probably my worst offensive game of my entire career, like just putting it out there. Um, And they kept throwing me the drop inside. And I was not hitting it, like just wasn't. Um, And so when you came to coach my junior year, I remember one of the first things you told me, you're like, okay, we're, um, we're going to hit this pitch. Okay. Like this is what we're doing. And like, I liked inside pitches, but it was something about like getting the barrel angle right on the drop. I don't know what it was, but we played Cal Poly again. I think it might've been my senior year at the time. And it was a different pitcher and everything, but they threw that to me again, because why wouldn't they? And the first pitch right away. And I hit a line drive back up the middle, got my hands inside. Like I finally did it. Um, 
And I think you had told me at the time that one of the coaches, I don't know if it was, if it was Condon or, or not someone else, but was like, Oh, so she hit the pitch now. And you were like, yeah. What do you think the first thing is that I told her? I was like, you didn't think she was going to keep striking out on that. Yeah. yeah come on. <laughs> I remember that conversation. I, I said, listen, I remember it was you're in the cages. And I'm like, no, 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 this is how you're going to hit it because people, they're going to live there until you figure out how to hit it. And you looked at me and I remember you were so frustrated for so long. And I'm like, just let it go. And I remember when you finally got it, I was like, Oh, like I bet there was that. I'm sure you were like, thank you. You know, but I had that moment of she figured it out. Like, okay, the light bulb went on and now she's good because she figured out how to do it. Yeah. And that weekend, I mean, it was a tournament. So we had Cal Poly there and everything, but I think was maybe one of my best offensive weekends ever. Like just, and it's not like it happened because I wasn't trying to do that. Like I was just trying to hit, right? Like that's, of course, that's when it happens is when you're just like not trying, you're just, well, not not trying in the sense of not effort, but not overly thinking about every single thing. Yeah, no, you're not paralyzing yourself by all of the thoughts in your head of trying to do something. Yeah, exactly. We've talked about how, what, what you give to players, but on the flip side, like what are you looking for in players? Obviously like the basics, right? Like you want, you know, like hard work and all that stuff, but like what are the, the big things that draw you to certain players? I mean, obviously physical talent, like that's a, with, you know, no brainer, but really upside and growth. I think that part is huge of what is your upside and can I grow you as a player? Um, I like grinders. I do. When I look at kids, it's like, are you, are you afraid of hard work? And when you fail, how do you react? I mean, college coaches say it all the time, but it is true. You know, we watch art when you strike out and you walk back to the dugout, are you a good teammate? Or are you a bad teammate? You know, and do you interact with your coaches? Do you look them in the eye? Are you a respectful kid? You know, because to me, I want a kid that's going to be coachable, you know, and I don't want a kid that thinks they have all the answers. It's like, I would rather have a kid that's a hard worker, coachable, and maybe not as physically talented and not there yet, because I know, I think I can develop them as opposed to a kid who thinks they have their stuff together and has no room for growth because they're the best thing ever. You know, that to me isn't, that doesn't add value in my world. And, and also you're talking about a culture thing too, when you're having a softball program and you're the head of what does this player do to our culture and can they continue to push forward our program and the goals that we have in mind, you know? So that could be a kid who understands that results take time and we're going to have to grind it and I'm going to have to be a leader how in whatever way possible. So I think it's, it's also those intangibles. I mean, every coach wants like, I want the best pitcher and the best shortstop. I mean, that's that goes without saying, but I think on the flip side of coachable, hardworking kids who really appreciate our sport and have a lot of respect for their teammates and what we're trying to do, um, you know, for us at East Bay. So those are the things that we're looking for, especially for me as we're trying to grow the program. You know, this was my fifth year. It's a Division Two, so a different a different kind of kid too. Um, so those are the kids that we look for. And, and quite honestly, you know, Division Two, which I don't think a lot of people know about, you know, because we aren't on ESPN. We aren't the Pac-12 network. You know, we aren't those those teams and whatnot. So for our kids, it's really about a different kind of balance in college academics and athletics. It's a different type of kid. It's so true because people get really caught up into D1 and the Power Five, but there are opportunities in college softball that are way beyond just that. So many D2, D3, NAIA, so many other things. And it's like, those are missed opportunities if people aren't 
taking those into consideration. Like these are Absolutely. to get your education and play softball. Like that's the dream. So yeah. I, I yeah. mean, you touched on it, but is there anything else about D2 softball that we should know? Uh, well, I, I think a couple things, you know, I think like you just said, people only know division one, which obviously that's what's on television. And, you know, I think those are great dreams, but there's such a small percentage that can go to the Washingtons and the Floridas and the, you know, the Alabamas and stuff like that. And, and I encourage those kids to do that. But the saddest part for me as a coach, when I hear kids, like she's not going to play because she didn't get to Arizona or UCLA. And I'm like, there's so many opportunities. And I'm sure, you know, people that they didn't get the scholarship. So they're done. Like there's, there's so many opportunities out there at the division one, division three, NAIA, JUCO, that give these kids the opportunity to go and play softball, you know, and division two softball, we are different. You know, our season, it's still prior to COVID was still a 56 game season. Just scheduling is a little bit different. It's a little bit more condensed. Um, you know, our fall is limit more limited hours, you know, I mean, we're five hours shorter than division one. So for us, you know, they really focus on, academics, athletics, and social part of it, you know, and you and I both know, we both went to big power five school. It's a grind. It's, you know, and I have plenty of kids and there's plenty of kids and that I face in our conference and the RMAC and the GNAC, these big D2 conferences who could go to an Alabama, who can go to ASU and compete for a spot. They absolutely could, but they either said, that's not for me. You know, I don't want to do the grind of division one. I want a little bit, um, better balance for me, you know? And so they've, they've just chosen differently, you know, and it's pretty cool to see these kids recognize who are really talented, especially say, you know what, that's not for me. I'm going to go where I know I can be successful, where I'm going to have the experience that I want. Cause really that's what it's about. It's about what kind of experience do you want? And some kids, you know, private schools, they want the smaller private school, you know, and that's okay. So as long as you're doing what you want to do and you're successful, I think, you know, judgment's out the window, been on you. It's such a good point because it is about the fit. Like you, it's yeah. like forcing, trying to force yourself into a certain mold that doesn't fit with you. Like that's not setting you or the program or anything up for success. Like you, to set you up for success, you have to be true to all of those things. Absolutely. And, and you've, you've heard it, you know, when you were younger and I've seen it of, you have a lot of kids who go to big schools for the wrong reasons, you know, or they go for family pressure or the expectations they feel like um, should be theirs and they go and they're not happy. You know, they're, they're not happy. They're not successful. You know, there's a lot that can come from it. And I've seen on the coaching and I'm like, she's going to be back in a year. You know, I've seen kids, they've gone and, and they do, they come back, you know? And, you know, I think that that is just, I, I encourage our student athletes and every kid I recruit to find your best fit and figure out what you want your next four years to be, because it's, you're the one that's going to live it, you know? Not mom and dad aren't going to be there every step of the way. And it's not always sunshine and butterflies. It's hard. It's really hard, you know? It, it is. Like, and it's like, you can, we can't overstate that because it, it just is. And you can't even really fully get it till you've done it, you know? Or at least like, yeah. or pa and parents there with their kids, right? But like, if you're doing it, it's, yeah. It's like, that's why it's such a special, being a student athlete in general, it's such a special thing because it really is unique. Yeah, it's unique. It's it's hard. It's hard, but it's extremely rewarding, you know. Yeah. But I think not everybody is made for that power five grind, you know. And that and that's the thing. I'm like, that's okay. That doesn't make you any less of a player or student. It's just really what you want out of your experience. That's all that matters. 
Absolutely. And when we think about Cal State East Bay, mm-hmm. what drew you there in the first place, but also like what keeps you there? What drew me? So I, I took a year after I was at Stanford and I was at Cal State Fullerton and great program. I was really lucky, you know, it was close to my family in the Big West. Um, and I was there for a year. And then, you know, what really drew me there, honestly, is after that season, my, my husband, Matt, who works in tech, was continuing to go up to the Bay Area. I had my son at that time, he was just turning three. And for me, it was completely not softball related. It was a family move for us to be together as a family. And that was something that I personally, you know, me and my husband, we made a choice to get back to the Bay Area for our family, you know, and I was really lucky. And I tell this story and people look at me like I'm crazy. Um, I had resigned at Cal State Fullerton. It, it was hard. I had never quit anything in my life. Like I had never, I was like, what am I doing? You know, but life is different when you have a kid, when you have a family, you know, and I, to me, that is the most important thing. So I said, you know what, we're going to, I'm going to go back to the Bay and we're going to be together. And um, I was at the airport, Orange County airport with my son. My husband was in San Francisco and I'm like, all right, we got to find a place to live. And we were flying back and I got a call from a, a friend and they're like, Cal City Space looking for head coach. Would you be interested in throwing your name in that hat? And I did, and I got the job, and it was crazy because I had lived in 20 minutes away, and I had never been there when I was at Stanford, you know? And so it was like it was meant to be. It was crazy because I was, you know, I love coaching. Like, don't get me wrong. It is my passion. Um, But I was ready to kind of go in the private sector, and, like, maybe we'll do lessons and kind of go that way, still be a part of the sport, but also be able to be a little bit better balanced with with being a mom now. Um, And then Cal State East Bay called, and I got that one. So. It, it's kind of a crazy story. People couldn't believe it. They're like, what? That happened? You know, because it's hard when you want to stay in a particular area to continue to coach. It really is. You know, you can't limit yourself that much. Um, but obviously with Matt's job in the software world, that's where, he, you know, we should be as a family. So that was kind of crazy how everything worked out. And what keeps me there is, you know, I love the Bay Area. That's where we raise our family. That's where both of our jobs are. I really enjoy the balance that I get now as a mom and a softball coach. I mean, I get to do what I love and still impact these young women's lives. And I still get to pick my kids up from school when I need to, or I can do drop off at school. And that balance to me is something that's really important. You know, we're still, this, the conference we're in is super competitive. We call ourselves, we're like the Pac-12 of division two, you know, we're always kind of ripping each other's head off. So I still get that competitive side of me, you know, and I still get to feel like I'm giving back to our sport, but then you know, once I take my coaching hat off on, I can also be a mom. And, you know, so that to me is important. And, and really, I want to build our program because I think we've had such great kids. You know, we, we really do. And I feel like we're just getting over that hump, hopefully working to the other side so that we can be a legitimate competitor again. What I love about this entire thing is that you are taking your own advice that you're giving to players like, hey, choose the right thing that fits for you, not what is supposed to be or what you think it should be like what's right. And you did that as a coach. Like, that's what I love about this. Yeah, I I mean, honestly, if you were asking me when I was 25, JB, I was like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be on ESPN. And I had, you know, that's, that was in my world, what was going to happen. I'm like, no, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, and then I had, I had a son, honestly, like I had a kid and my world completely changed. I was like, uh, what, you know? And, and I think that that realization of, you know, as life changes, you're like, okay, I need to step back and reevaluate 
what, what do I want? You know, and that was a moment that, that completely switched. Cause I was like, I don't know. Like now I don't know. Cause the first year, and I'm really lucky that I have a supportive husband that first year when Mikey was not even one yet, you know, I mean, traveling and stuff, that was really hard. And the moms and dads that do it out there on that high level, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just, I bow to you, you know, cause it's incredible to see. And I had coach Ford, you know, at ASU, her and I are just one of my best friends to watch her. I'm like, you are amazing, you know, and I love watching their journeys. And then it was just about me figuring out what mine was, you know? So at that moment it kind of switched and, and I just re I pivoted and I redirected of what I wanted to do. I know you and coach Ford were like two peas in a pod when you were at Stanford and she was on the show too, but like having you guys, you guys were always two peas in a pod over there at all times. Oh, I love her. Oh my gosh. She's Auntie Trisha. So she's, <laughs> she's great. We still talk. We still keep in touch as a family, you know, and I, I'm so, I'm just so proud of everything that she's doing over there. It's impressive to watch. I mean, not that you and I are surprised because we know how incredible she is, you know, but it's, yeah, I'm like, oh my God, she's amazing. But I mean, she's doing such good things over there and it's it's just fun to watch, you know, and cool to watch parents do that because I know how difficult it is at that level to to accomplish that much, you know? I, I do, I understand the sacrifice as a family that has to be made. Well, and you guys aren't just working moms. Like, it's not like you have a nine to five and you have weekends off, right? You're a coaching mom. Like- yeah. It's not just the basic, like, well, how do you balance it all? It's like, this is the real deal. Like, I, I mean, is there enough coffee in the world? No, there's not enough coffee in the world. Um, coffee is acceptable at all hours. Um, no, it, it is a lifestyle, you know, and that's the one thing I say when I, when I meet young coaches who their goal, they want to have a family and they want to coach is it takes everybody in your family. You know, it takes the support of our partners and the kids understanding that, mom, you know, there's a time of year that mommy's going to probably be traveling quite a bit, you know, and so it's, it's a lifestyle. It's not a nine to five. I, you know, there's plenty of times, you know, something has unfortunately happened, you know, like I had a player get sick and she was in the hospital and, you know, my husband's like, you gotta go. I'm like, yep, I gotta go. And so then I leave and I'm at the hospital till midnight on the phone with their parent, making sure they're okay. And then I get home and wake up and do it all over again. You know, it, it is not a nine to five job, but it's again, like, like I told you, it's so rewarding and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it at all but it does take it takes everybody in the family understanding that pretty much from january to may june half of the year mommy's gonna be pretty busy and might be grumpy when she gets home if we didn't win or did left too many runners on base <laughs> i don't think that's a might i think that's a definite but yeah. <laughs> fair yeah yeah it's a definite um but you and Matt are college sweethearts too. And we yeah. love him. Like always loved Matt. You guys are basically a couple goals to be honest. Yes. We, he played football at UCLA. So we have been together. I'm, I'm going to age myself right now. Um, we started dating when we were 19. So I'm really, I'm really, yeah, I know. Right. Ooh. So he must like me. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've, we've, we've built this life together. He was obviously gets it cause he played at UCLA. He understands the grind of college athletics and, is now in the software business world, you know? And so it's, I've been really lucky because the softball, the software business world operates so different from the athletic world. It just does, you know, now that you're in that, you know, in that business world, it's, it is like polar opposite. So I've been really fortunate because, you know, I'll come home and say something. He's like, that would never happen in the office, you know, like 
So it's, yeah, we're real. I'm really fortunate that I have a supportive partner and who has always been there to help me with my dreams of, you know, or, or to pivot and kind of move us, move our crazy family around to support my career. And, um, he's just been such a good sounding board for me throughout all of this. Cause it is hard. It's hard being a spouse. You know I mean? We, this was my 15th year, 16th lost count. Um, and still he's like, Oh, here we go. He knows when football season hits kind of what to look out for. And Hey, mom doesn't want to talk about it. You guys, let's go this way. You know, and for me, he also brings the kids out to the game because I love seeing them after the game. And I think my players like it too, because if I'm mad, like I can't be mad when my kids like run up to me. They're like, go, go see coach. They'll like push them towards me <laughs> to kind of make me in a better mood. Confirmed. I can tell you, I'm pretty sure we did that with Mikey. So, <laughs> yep. Yep. They're like, oh, she's mad. Let's get Mikey in here. So it's like, you know, because they don't, kids don't care. Kids just want to see you, you know? They really yeah, don't. exactly. <laughs> But I will say this, like, you guys are amazing. Your relationship, like I said, couple goals. But I feel like I remember once in college, when I was in college, you told me once that you broke up with him when you were in college for like a week or something, when you were in a slump. Oh, can gosh. You, I, you still find out about this. <laughs> can you, wait, so confirm or deny? Uh, I'm going to confirm. Um, I was having a really hard time. Um, I think I went like on a 10 game hitting slump as the DH, like devastating. I mean, yes. So we had started dating and I think every subway player knows where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like you literally have no idea how to hit. You're like, I just, no, no clue. And I was struggling so bad. And it was, I hit behind Stacey Newman. Like, hello. Like my job was they walk her. It's my turn to get a hit. Like, hi, no pressure. So I was, I went on like a, like 10, 15 game hitting, hitting slump. Like I could not touch anything. And so I was like, I was trying to like blame it on something. And finally I'm like, we need to break up. We need to break up. Like, I can't, I can't worry about this. I can't fail anymore in front of anybody. I just need to figure out my stuff. And when I, you know, and so, yeah, I broke up with him for like a week or two. And he's like, remember when you broke up with me? Like that sucked really bad. He's like, I didn't even do anything. I'm like, I know, but. I was blaming everything and everyone and bless his heart. I, when I finally broke out of my slump, he was waiting for me after the game by the stadium. He didn't even come watch. He's so sweet. I know. Gosh, why does he like me so much? <laughs> Honestly, I was dying laughing then when you first told me and now because like that is just such a competitor, like athlete thing to do, which like I guess he could kind of get. So maybe that's why he was nice about it. But it's just I, so funny. I guess. No, we still talk about it to this day. Like it's good. we're going on like almost twenty years together. We're still talking about it. He's like, that was just who does that? I'm like, I did, I did. I was crazy. I was very, like I said, very serious about my sport. So I mean, we got back together right after. Don't worry, we're still going strong, everyone. We're good. Yeah, I mean, you like I said, Mr. and Mrs. UCLA over here. You married the football player. Like we get it. It worked out, and you've been breeding these athletic kids I would assume and cute kids oh thank you they're so much fun completely different personalities you know it's you know you seeing your kids like oh that is totally me or you know the things that make you cringe worthy about yourself it's like and if you didn't recognize them your kids will just show you it's like a little mini me walking outside of you but yeah they're a lot of fun they keep us on our toes 
that's funny. My mom did say that my grandma used to tell her like, just wait, you're going to have a daughter just like you and see what happens. Oh. And so now she tells me and I'm like, great, because it happened. So <laughs> it's going to happen to me too, you know? It totally is. My mom's like, you know, you deserve this. Like, you know, so that's okay. I, you know, we're just going to raise them strong, confident kids. <laughs> it's so crazy. I remember when you announced to our team that you were pregnant with Mikey. Like announce it or did Coach Ritman announce it? Well, yeah, I'm saying you, but it was Coach Ritman. <laughs> but yes. Coach Ritman letting the secrets out of the bag. I was like, oh man, I just yeah, and I was so sick being in my pregnancy and I didn't tell anybody. So we were like flying all these places and I was just trying to hold it together in front of everybody on the plane. But I think he had to tell you guys because he pulled me off first base for that season. Yes. Wait, well, yes, that's right. That's right. That's I coached first base with him and then he said, he's like, you're not allowed to. And I, we fought, oh my gosh. I'm like, no, I'm going to coach. And, and then he finally said, honestly, like if a foul ball goes your way and it almost hits you, like, I don't want to have to deal with Matt being the crap. <laughs> um, like, that's fair. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. But yeah, it's because he pulled me off first base for that season. So he didn't that's watch me. Anything was weird. Well, yeah, because leave it to you and him actually for like that being the only reason, like, cause you have to, like, yeah. not because you actually wanted to. And you're like, yeah, you know, I just want to like, take it easy. No, you didn't. <laughs> you had to. <laughs> yeah. Cause I had to. <laughs> Gosh. And now there's Corinne. I mean, is she already like starting to drop like little bombs like mom or what? Not yet. No, she's, she's a big, strong girl with color, a little power hitter. Um, she is all kinds of sass and has has been that way since she was a baby. She has ideas and thoughts of her own. Just ask her, she'll tell you. Um, she, yeah, she's such, gosh, she's just, she's so fun and she's so funny and outgoing. But man, if you make her mad, you better watch out where her brother is just so sweet and accommodating and nice. Corinne's got ideas of her own, but she's, she's fun. Like I said, I'm like, she's going to break people's hearts one day and She's going to be the CEO of a business for sure somewhere. Easy. Well, she's got you as mom and she's got Matt like crushing it in the tech world as dad. Like, yeah, come on. Yeah. We tried. Already she kind of knows, you know, don't, don't cross one of us or you better fall in line. So she's a happy kid. Would you say that it's her or who I should say, who in the house do you feel like, yeah, they run this house. Like if you had to pick one of you guys. Her or me? Well, you, you, Matt, her, Mikey, like who of, of the family is like, yeah, they're kind of the ones in charge. Uh, I would say her. <laughs> I would say her right now. I mean, she's three, right? So she's at the age where she's like a little wrecking ball and we just kind of follow to make sure the house isn't being torn apart. So I would say, I would say her right now, although we definitely compete against each other. I'll say, who's in charge? She says me. And I'm like, then she says mommy. So, but I say her. But what I love about that is that it's the ladies. It is. It is the ladies. The guys are, they're so like nice and sweet and accommodating. And we're just like two tornadoes that drop in on them, you know, with no mercy. Oh yeah. That's yeah, as it should be. <laughs> well, I mean, I honestly, we could talk all day. Like we oh, could just gosh. go for hours, <laughs> but I have one more question for you to wrap up. It's a game yeah. called safer out. And okay. you said you've listened to some episodes, so we're going to test that right now and see if you know what this is. Oh, gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Okay. <laughs> no, but basically, like, I'm going to bring something up that's softball related. And if you agree or you like it, you say safe. And if you okay. don't, you're like, no, not about it. You'll say out. 
So like based on earlier, for example, like for bat flips, you're out on bat flips, right? So using armbands versus traditional signals, safer Safe. out. Safe. Safe. Oh, you know, I wasn't sure because I know like with some things you're like, nah, I'm more old school and like other things you have to evolve. So I didn't know. I, I am safe because it is easier and there are less missed signs in my experience. Well, that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> Because part of me is like, come on, like, know the signs, you know, like, but I, I also, you know, I'm not the coach that's like kicking the dirt when the signs are missed. So I get that. Exactly. Less missed signs. So safe. Okay. And now, you know what? I'll add one more quick one. I think I might know your answer based on earlier, but wearing shorts for game day, like the shorts and the knee pad situation, safe or out? I would, I'm going to say safe. I'm going to say safe. It's really hot sometimes. You know, I don't, I'm not out on shorts. I mean, I, you know what I am out on those? I used to wear not, not only like two knee pads, but the long ones, like the kneepers, like two, that's aggressive. That's a, that's that's an out. That's a, why don't you, you might as well have hockey knee pads on there. Right. Like, come on. Like, what are you doing? If the ball hits you in the shin, that's your fault. Catch the ball. Yeah. I would, I, I would say I'm safe on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, you heard it too safe. So you got a couple runners on, <laughs> but thank you, coach A. Like this was so fun. Like I've just loved to catch up with you and we like happen to be recording, you know, for this, but like, this is so fun. And I hope I want to keep keeping in touch as much as we do or more than we've been able to do sometimes, yeah. but you're awesome. And I'm so glad that you are my coach and that you're here on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. You're amazing. I'm so proud of you. She's one of my favorite coaches I've ever had for a reason. I mean, just a queen in everything she does. As an athlete, a coach, a mom, a friend, a human, just every role she takes on. And what helps is that she does the little things right. Sometimes they might not seem like things, but really there's still a big impact. So keep that in mind for the double play tip of the week. This week's tip is about hydration. And as an athlete, you push your body to the limit. So taking care of it is so important. I just can't overstate that. What you put in your body gives you fuel. And the better the quality, the more optimally your body will function and perform. It's very straightforward. Now, food is obviously a big part of that. But because most of our body is made of water, we have to give it the attention that it deserves. So physically, when it comes to drinking water, get the volume and the substance. The general recommendation for the average person is to have eight to 12 glasses of water per day. But really, you want even more if you can when you have the activity level of an athlete. So it's about getting the volume, get enough each day. But you also wanna replace what you lose when you sweat to help you keep going over time. So this also could mean fluids other than water. Gatorade is one of the most iconic, of course. It has electrolytes and substance to it. We sweat more than just water out. So we have to replace that too. And growing up, what I tended to do is alternate water bottles and Gatorade bottles throughout the day. So it could have been up to five games in a day back in the travel ball times. I'd load up the cooler with ice and I just alternate between them all day. And in college, I sort of did the same thing. Um, we had the giant Gatorade tubs where they mix the powder. And I would actually mix that with water because there is a lot of sugar in Gatorade, you do have to keep that in mind and it's helpful to dilute it down a little bit. G2 is also another option, a version of Gatorade that has less sugar. And there are options like Cytomax and others 
that are similar to this. But sometimes you might feel like you need a little bit more of a boost than just water. These are some options. So overall, just physically drink enough and mix up the liquids. Mentally, stay steady. So if you compare your body to a traditional car, everyone knows food is the gas. You hear that analogy a lot. But also think of the water as the oil. Food gives you the energy to perform, but water can help you perform optimally. You can put as much gas in the car as you want, but if you don't change the oil, you're in trouble. So to optimize hydration, think about when you hydrate. And really it's about sipping and sipping often. Like anything else, consistency over time is most effective. If you just chug an entire bottle at once, but don't drink any fluids for a while after that, it's not going to fuel your body the same. You'll end up being waterlogged and maybe a little sluggish, honestly. And it's like practice, really. You don't just practice for 10 hours one day and don't do anything for a week, right? You practice some every day. You might have a day or two to rest each week, but staying steady is how you get better. So to do this in a game, for example, take a few sips every time you come back in the dugout. Whether you're coming off the field from playing defense, you just ran the bases and scored, your teammate just hit a home run and you're coming back from celebrating at home plate, I mean anything. This is just a good general rule and it can apply to whenever you come into the dugout at team practice too. Also, by the way, always take advantage of a water break when your coaches give it. And if you're practicing on your own, maybe hydrate after every drill. Drink when there's some kind of stopping point that you've hit. You can use that as your cue. So with drinking, the main thing is to keep going. So that's the physical and mental side of hydration. Get the volume and the substance and stay steady. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball over your airwaves. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and of course, Believe.com. Subscribe, share the episodes, rate and review the show, please. And hit me up on Twitter, at JennaBacera01. Keep it going. And also Instagram, at JennaBacera. Thank you once again for listening and catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.